Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckables? Uh, what the fuckleberry thins? How's it going? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. Today, doubleheader. Uh, Portland. It's a Portland doubleheader with Ian Carmel and Ron Funches. Now, the one thing about having these guys on today, I interviewed them at different times. But I put them together because there was sort of a theme to it in my mind is that I know a lot of you realize that comics all know each other. Uh, Well, a lot of us know each other, but a lot of us came up together. And what that really means is that we were part of a comedy scene. And when I was starting out in New York, it, it was very specific. I mean, there were comedy scenes in other places, but the primary comedy scenes when I was coming up, well, you had New York, you had LA, you had Boston, you had San Francisco. They had healthy comedy scenes where you could live and work and do comedy and develop and uh, and maybe even make a little money. Now, almost every fucking city in the country has a comedy scene. There are comedy scenes everywhere. A lot of that has to do with the, uh, the evolution of uh, comic-produced shows. There's a lot of alternative venues that have, have happened and changed the face of comedy. But these guys... Ian Carmel and Ron both come from, uh, and Ron Funches both come from the Portland scene. They're a couple of generations behind me, but you talk to these guys, they both knew each other. And, uh, you know, that one time Portland only had one club and they had a fight to get on there if they, if they even got in there. But there were other, sh- there were other areas, there were other uh, clubs, alternative venues. I mean, and they talk about the other cats that are up there, Shane Torres, Sean Jordan, Whitney Street, Dwight Slade, who's actually in my generation, lives up there, Augie Smith, Amy Miller, and there's like a whole world of uh, comics up in Portland. Andy Wood, who uh, put on the uh, Portland Comedy Festival initially. It's a thriving scene, and these are a couple of guys they've delivered. Delivered. That's right. Ian Carmel, Ron Funches were delivered to show business from Portland. And uh, and that's why I have them bunched together, themed. I mean, when I was coming up, yeah, there was some there's some great memories about being a young comic and living this life, which is a very peculiar life. It's a uh, you know, it's it's an entertainer's life. You're up late at night. You're waiting to do spots. By the time you're done with your evening, it could be one, two in the morning. And back in New York, it would be it'd be me, Todd Berry, Louis C.K., Sarah Silverman, Jeff Ross, Dave Attell. You know, we'd all end up at the Kiev, which isn't there anymore. Two, three, four in the morning, eating pie, eating ice cream, 
talking about stuff. That was the time when we really socialized. I mean, we weren't usually going home until the sun was coming up. And you could do that because we were fucking comedians. And there was something about those times. There was an innocence to it all. And to see how everybody turned out and how everybody evolved. And at that time, we were all trying to figure out why we were funny, how we were funny. But you had a certain camaraderie there. And it kept you going. Comedians need that. You can't develop in a vacuum. It's, it's very amazing that almost every city in the country you know, now has its own scene and that camaraderie is available and that you know you can do that. I hope that all the places in the country have a lot of places you can eat late at night because that was essential to, uh, to my development as a stand-up comedian. Now, I want to tell you, when I was up in Portland working at Helium, once Helium came around and all these cats had a place to work and at least to open and feature and do some open mic work, it really kind of congealed, solidified the Portland scene in a lot of ways. I would go up there and always get a local opener, and that's where I met Ian Carmel. Ian Carmel, I can't remember if he opened or featured for me. I think he actually did both. I think the first time I was there, he opened, and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's strong. And then he featured for me, and I'm like, holy shit, how am I going to follow that? This guy's an animal, this Ian Carmel fella. It's a big boy with a big tone, big jokes. I also met Funches up there, too. He did a guest spot for me. Uh, that was the first time I met him up in Portland. And then you just sort of know there's there's a sensibility to Portland. There's a, there, you know, there's a lot of creativity up there. And, uh, and now Ian's down here. But he's got a hell of a story. So uh, let's talk now to, uh, to Ian Carmel, and then we'll do Funches after him. Was I trying to give you a pep talk about LA before you left? You I mean, did give me a yeah. You were I mean you were great the the whole way. I emceed for you once upon a time and twice. You were, twice I emceed and I also featured for you. Uh, you emceed for me once and then you featured for me what once or twice at the club and then right. also you let me at uh, the Aladdin Theater in Portland. Oh, I did right. Remember that show? Yeah, that was a fun show. It was. There was a, some sort of plumbing problem. There was a plumbing problem and somebody brought you a loaf of banana bread which you let me take home. That's right. Paid like half of it on the yeah. way home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, so what did I say? Tell me. Tell me that. Tell me a good thing about me because I, I I need to hear it. You told. I mean, I'll tell you several good things. You were very encouraging just from the beginning, saying like, if you if you come down to L.A., let me know. I'll get you on shows. And I took you up on it. I don't know if people take you up on it, but I did. And you went. You came through with it. I got on shows. <laughs> I got to do uh, comedy death ray bang bang whatever yeah. it was called at the time uh, before it ended. Yeah, and maybe before I was ready. But uh, well, I don't know. I think it went well. But like, uh, yeah, you did that, and then you were also encouraging about coming to L.A. You're like, go do it. You know, get down there. Why not? And uh, and a little bit of like, well, why aren't you down there yet? Yeah. When are you coming? That's, that was right. I went back up there. I'm like, are you going to stay up here? You still doing here? What yeah, are you still doing here? You're going yeah. to be stuck here, buddy. Exactly. You got to and, and that made me think about those people who do get stuck in their scenes. Every scene, dude. You see them when Every you're on the road, scene. and it's, it, it hurts your soul. That's the... You know, stand-up comedy can be very sad, even for successful people. Yeah. And then when you see those people who are, like, stuck yeah. in Kansas City, they've been there forever, they can't leave, or they've convinced themselves they can't leave. Yeah, because, you know, quite honestly, it's interesting, because those kind of people with that type of personality, they might not be able to cut it here. You, you know, like, you know, if you go sort of like, all right, I guess I'm coming, 
You, you know, like if you're not, if you're not like, this is it. Yes. I think you need to jump. You need to jump into it. Like, and yeah. yeah and yeah, throw and just, yourself into yeah, it. Yeah. And do whatever you got to do. Some people get uncomfortable if they go a couple weeks between like paying gigs. Yeah. You know, they're used to like, they were born on the road. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a killer too. Right. Yeah. Those it can people, be. They can. Even, even like very funny comedians who would do well here. Uh, never stay long enough put, to put down roots, right? You know, and then oh yeah, yeah, they're they're always just, off. yeah, yeah, and they don't they don't ever engage, yeah, in the in the thing. They've always got their eye on yeah, yeah. on the ro- on the road still, right, right. I I live in L A, but I don't really get you know. They're like yeah, yeah, I don't get asked to do much. I'm like, no one's gonna ask you to do anything. You have to. You have to people are so afraid of asking to do stuff. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. It's so it's so competitive. But I guess if you think, I think my opinion is if you think you're funny. You should ask to do things if you if you think you're gonna take advantage of an opportunity, yeah. and do well, yeah. and reflect well upon the people who uh, recommended you. Right? Why not get in there and do it? It's gonna be some other schmuck doing it. <laughs> well, that was the thing about you is like even when you emceed for me that time, I'm like, holy fuck, this guy's got some momentum. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? How long's this guy been doing it? You, you just have, you get up there, you own the fucking stage. You're a big boy anyway. I am a big boy. Yeah. But 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 uh, but despite that, I mean, I think that can work in your favor. But you know, you you definitely had the confidence in this sort of uh, kind of bravado. Yeah. I don't know if it is it bravado just as sort of like this you, you you're going to reckon with me. There was I, the, there's no insecurity that I saw. I don't I don't I I don't feel any on stage. Is, I don't Was that always the case? I yeah, I I mean I st- the first like performance I ever did was I took an improv class in college in Portland, in Portland, Oregon at Portland State University. Yeah. My uncle Scott Parker taught it and I needed an arts credit. Yeah. I was going I was eventually going to go to law school. My dad's a lawyer and I wanted to go be a lawyer. But uh I you needed an arts credit so I was like I'll take this improv class it should be easy and then uh I made people laugh, you know, like kind of like right off the bat. It was the same kind of shit you do in class to be clever. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like you just have to be quick with an answer. And, yeah. And everybody knows how to be funny. Yeah. Right? No. No, that's true. <laughs> but doesn't it feel like it almost seems like people as you get older got less and less funny? Well, no, I think that there are some people that can't help themselves. Yeah. And they're the people that cause trouble. And uh, Class clowns. Yeah. I was and never one of those. You weren't? I was. No. Like I would come in. I would... I would have like a, f- a funny answer to a question, you know, that a teacher would ask. But I was never the kind of person who would like pull my balls out and tell them like, "Look at the robin's who egg." Who the fuck or does that? I, there were people who did that. That's not a class clown. This guy Sean. Like, this guy Sean Simmons. Well, he's, that's a kid with a problem. He's pulling his balls out. He's doing that in front of the class. Or in pulling... front, he would do it in front of the class, or he'd like pull it out on the slide. Like, look at this. Look at yeah, this. Yeah, no, that's not a class clown. That's, oh, okay. Uh, you know, that, wait, how'd that that's kid? A sex end? offender. Kinda. <laughs> how did he end up that kid? I don't know how you end up that kid. No, but how, did he, nice what, he, how long did you know that guy? I knew that kid until the end of high school. How did he end up in high school? What did he do in high school? Was I, he still showing his he balls? Was on, he was on the football team with me. Uh-huh. Uh, football. He was. I played football. I had to. I'm gigantic, and they the, wouldn't leave me alone. The thing I didn't get about you was like, you know, I was in Portland. I, you know, I don't quite understand Portland. And, uh, you know, here you are. You have this big, you know, uh, you know gregarious Jew that was clearly built somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah. I mean, what? How the fuck does Ian Carmel end up in Portland, Oregon? Where I'm, the? I'm from Beaverton, which is just nine miles outside well, of wait, Portland. Wait, wait, no, somewhere the you came through New York somewhere. My father's from Brooklyn. There, yeah. So what was that? He's he. I don't know. He's from Brooklyn, and he's like a uh, normal sized version of me, uh, maybe a little more self obsessed. But what? What? So you got grandma, and grandpa in Brooklyn, or what? Grant, they live in Florida now. 
But they were in. But Brooklyn. they were in. They were in Long Island when I was growing up. But they were from Brooklyn. My my father's dad died before I ever met him. Yeah. And my grandmother uh, remarried. She she was from Europe, and my father's uh, dad, who died before I met him, was also from Europe. They escaped the Holocaust. She was from Belgium. He was from uh, Paris. And they have pretty like interesting stories. Like my grandmother had to hide in like a Catholic convent. Yeah, for a couple years, and like the nuns smuggled her out. Did you? Did she tell you that story? She. My dad told me this. story. Yeah, yeah. I haven't talked to her. She's still alive. I haven't talked to her about it. She doesn't. I mean, she goes. She goes around to schools. Like I know all the stories that I feel like she'd be comfortable telling me. Yeah. And then I feel like there's stories that she wouldn't be comfortable telling me. But maybe I should ask. Why? Why would I not? I don't know. Because sometimes you don't think it's the right thing to do. You it know? feels like, like it's not the right thing to do. Like it feels like. I, I think there's a lot of grandparents now that are being assaulted by their grandchildren with cameras. All these NPR. I, yeah, yeah. 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 Tell, tell me the story about the about when grandpa died in the fire. Right. Yeah. yeah. All these people. Exactly. All these people. They want to like record their grandmother being sad and yeah. then slowly fade in a Sibo Mato track in the background and then fade it back out while she starts another story. Like all the, there's a whole generation of those people. I feel like it. Like it's hard. To, how do you talk to a Holocaust survivor? You know, her whole family. You was start with out. like that was bad, right? Yeah, like that was, uh, that was, that was some shit, right? Yeah. Right. The Nazis. Yeah, I right. had a rough day, but you, you you've yeah. had some rough days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that Nazi thing yeah. where you, you were running for your life. Yeah. Go out. Your sister didn't make it. How did that make you feel? <laughs> Sometimes I don't call my sister for a week. Yeah. Uh, did, did her sister not make it? There were like two. Uh, there's a family picture that my dad has. That looks like that one back there on the shelf. It, yeah, it does exactly that same tone, like, sepia tone, and like and very like dour Jewish faces, uh, dour Jewish faces. Dour, but there's there's more of a. It's like it's like a bigger picture. There's probably like, I want to say twelve or fifteen people in the picture. Yeah, and like two of them made it out. Oh, yeah. And then there's my dad's side. Yeah, where uh, they stayed in the same apartment in Paris. Yeah, for a couple years during the Nazi occupation of Paris. Yeah, and who knows? I mean. The implications of what fucking his mother had to do. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it's it's insane. Well, maybe that's wait. So this is the mother, the the woman that you you don't know how to talk to about. That was the one who hid in the uh, in the monastery. That whose whose mother is that? That's uh, my dad's mother. All right, but who's the one that lived in Paris? For that's it? my dad's father. Oh, oh who okay. died? Oh, who died? Right. And his, I mean, my he had dad, a bunch of sisters. Uh, no, it was just him and his brother. Okay, who like ended up in israel or something or staying in france i forget it's all very murky it's hard as a jew to get too involved in family detail like family history and yeah. stuff like that because there was so much movement and and tragedy around that time yeah yeah i think my 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 all my people were here they missed it yeah they got out before they came in from russia come in from poland before the, but the they bad, had their the own bad shit. thing that's the they had their own battle well, i mean just, right just like, the fact that they had to do they had to get here on a boat that's bad could you imagine a fucking boat? No, no, that, I can't. A boat that you had that, that was the only option. You, get, it's not I, a cruise. I get bitchy sitting in traffic alone in an air conditioned car. Like, and we're going to the 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 the, the new world. And uh, what are the options? Well, we can't take a train. It's water. Yeah, there's no commercial airlines. They're we're gonna they're, be on a boat for a month. They're on that ship just eating like a pot of boiling water with a stick of celery yeah, in it. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, just, like, that's what you picture. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine they were you know on the top tier there. It couldn't have been much nicer. No, they're not coming. They're not coming over having like a no, yeah no, yeah no, delicious. Not on the Titanic. Yeah yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> all right. So you weren't born. You were you were born in Port- in Beaverton. I was born in Portland, uh, really, and lived there till I was one. Yeah, I have like kind of an. My dad has a pretty thick accent, 
And then we would go to New York. Where's your mom from? She's from Portland. So how did he end up there? Law school. Oh. He came out to a Lewis and Clark Law School because he was kind of a, he was a hippie and he wanted to be an environmental lawyer. That's a good school, though, right? It's a good school. Yeah, yeah. he was. You know, he's that first generation of immigrant mm-hmm. where you have to work hard and accomplish things. Yeah, and then I'm that second generation of immigrant mm-hmm. where I get to try to be a comedian. Yeah, because because he earned because yeah. he earned a good he, living. He, yeah. he earned you the right to not give a fuck. Right, exactly. And he didn't pre- he didn't instill any values in you. And then my parents got divorced, so he couldn't come down on me too hard about like pursuing improv. So wait, he goes well. He goes to Lewis and Clark to be a hippie lawyer. Yeah. How? Where does he end up? Doing like divorce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the death of a dream! Oh, yeah, it it happens eventually. Yeah, it, it all. I'm writing for a TV show on E. You yeah. know, it all eventually happens. Uh and it. He met my. He dated my aunt for a little bit first, and then eventually met your my, mother's sister. Yeah, my mother's sister, and then met my mother, and then they were married for ten years, had a couple of kids. What'd she, she do? She's a nurse. Still? Yeah, she's yeah. a baby nurse. Oh yeah. Uh huh. So you got two sisters. I got two sisters, older sister, younger sister. Uh, my younger sister and I have the same dad, Ivan, the lawyer. And then my older brother and older sister have a different dad who passed away when they were uh, in their teens. Okay. Yeah, so but we were all raised together. It's never felt like we were really siblings. You're all yeah. with your mother. With all with my mother, yeah. Yeah. And she took in like their friends too. She's one of those just like the door is open like, so people like, coming and going in the house? Come, my older brother and older sister, they would have friends who would come live with us for like a week or two. <laughs> you, they they would, you know, like these like like suburban troublemakers, you know, yeah. driving around in like a Mazda and like hitting mailboxes with sure. a baseball bat kind yeah. of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they would come and stay with us for for weeks, like sometimes like a month at a time Yeah. in the house. Yeah. And uh, for me, that was great. Like as it was my, he, my brother's nine years older than me. And his friends were all cool, you know, so I got to kind of like hang around. Did you, wait, they turn you on to the music? Yeah, they would a little bit. Yeah. yeah like the, with- uh, You need with those guys, Rap right? music, yeah. Oh, with the rap? They did, yeah. I got into like, they would listen to like Too Short and NWA around the house. Really? And I got into that and then Metallica too. Oh, yeah, that from two different siblings? Through the, no, that's all from my older brother and his friends. He just like loud, hard stuff. And I, I still like, I think that is important to have that formative influence. Yeah, if you don't have them, you got to go find them. How else do you figure out what's cool? So you got all these sibs. No, you have a nutty uncle too? I do. I have an, yeah, the guy who taught me improv. What the hell is that guy's story? He's, uh, I, he, he married my mom's sister, the yeah. one my dad initially dated. Yeah. And uh, they're not even living together anymore, but they, they had one of those, they had like a, uh, very uh, uh, civil, just divorce where they were just like, "Well, we're done here, yeah, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, we're done." And then Close they just it up. sort of went their separate ways. Yeah, uh, he was just a guy. My aunt and my uncle, actually, my uh, uncle Tommy Improv and my aunt, who he was married to, were both like in theater in Portland, doing like uh, doing plays, doing improv groups, and like shitty basements places, and yeah. uh, and doing all that sort of stuff. But they all stayed in Portland. Yeah, everybody stayed in Portland. Yeah, uh, and you know, eventually taught like he did and my aunt like state she would do a play every like year or something yeah yeah. like the menopause the musical type shit (laughs) yeah yeah uh and yeah but my uncle he's the guy who who i learned improv from and then i would like ta his class yeah and eventually he helped push me like out of out of portland into stand up and he's and he's uh, he's still around he's still around yeah. yeah he's gonna retire uh from teaching soon was there another one was there a bad seed somewhere there's a lot of bad seeds <laughs> on my mom's side of the family everybody <laughs> dies from heroin on my mom's side of the family 
they all live in Portland and do heroin. It's it's, <laughs> it's stereotypical. Everything's like a Gus Van Sant movie. Is, is it is it stereotypical to be a a grown man, you know, <laughs> with a career? And it's like, oh yeah, what 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 does your family do? Well, one side of the family does heroin. Yeah, one. <laughs> <laughs> it's Portland. My mom's a nurse, and uh, there's a bunch of other people. They just do heroin. <laughs> on my dad's side, they're kind of like artists. On the mom's side, heroin junkies. I have. I've lost three. I've lost two. Uh, two aunts and an uncle. Really? To heroin. Yeah. Uh, one married pair, aunt and my uncle John and uh, and Cheryl, his wife, both died from heroin years apart. And then just recently, my aunt Judy, like last year, a year and a half ago, it's horrible. They can't. It's it's horrible. The thing with like my aunt Judy is like she was a wonderful, completely sweet woman. Yeah. But one of those people where she was effectively dead from the amount of drugs she'd done, like pretty much the whole time I knew her. So when she died, it was very sad. But yeah. It was also just like. The natural course of things. It seemed like it had been coming for so long. But that, I mean, but how old are these people? I mean, does that, was, you know, Portland has been like sort of a heroin port for a long for, time. For a long time. What yeah. from, uh, where's it come from? From China? From Vietnam? Or is it, it's not the Mexican heroin? Is it, do you, no, I, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's local. I don't know. I don't know where they're. Well, it's got to come in, right? It's it's got, a, right. Because it's got to be poppies. Yeah. Well, it's got to come in from somewhere. But, you know, it, but that's the weird feeling. Like, I never spent much time in, in Portland, but I spent a little time in Seattle. You get up there into the Pacific Northwest and there's a heaviness to it. There's a big heaviness. And there's a darkness to it that, like, now people watch Portlandia. And they're like, oh, it's all goats and you no, know, and, and artisanal cheeses and quinoa and shit like that. It's not like I'm, even even the little circle of Portland that Portlandia talks about. It has a big, heavy, dark side to it. Well, I mean, you grew up there because now it's completely changed. It has, like, you know, because like when I go up there, I feel like you know there there's a type of darkness, and and it's not a seediness, but there's sort of an end of the you know the sort of the last stop on the train. It's feeling. absolutely the last stop. Well, like, that's like Chuck Palahniuk wrote that book, Fugitives and Refugees, about Portland, which is great. He just it, it, he said that's like it is. It's the last stop. People from the rest of the country, it's almost like the- Either they go to Florida or they go to Portland, right. depending on you know what they're propelled towards. Exactly. They all sort of drain towards it. Yeah. If they're yeah. more artistic, they end up in Portland. And if they just want to- Bleak fucking, and artistic. Yeah. Or if they just want to go to the beach because they, they earned it. Right. Or, or they- Pensacola. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, or if their lives have gone so har- horribly wrong, <laughs> they, they need to settle in Key West. That's all. Oh, God. Literally the end of the line. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They've been chased there. Uh, yeah. But did you feel that growing up? You would see it when you would walk around downtown Portland. When you're a kid, because you, so you, you know, you're what, 29? 29. So, all right, so let's say 20 years ago, before there was any glimmer of like uh, artisanal anything. Yeah. There was no pock pock. There was, was no, uh, there was no pork belly sandwiches. Powell's was there, but it was, it Powell's was just books, a bookstore. It was rather a hippie than a, bookstore, right? Rather than an idea, yeah. Right. So it was, it was a small town. Yeah. And it was a small dark town with no black people. Absolutely not. No, because of they let that part of town flood. Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 I think it was on the books that you know we can't have the black people here for a long. There time. was it was an incredible Oregon itself was incredibly racist for the longest time. And there was skin. My dad got beat up by a skinhead outside of like a Seven Eleven, uh, like in nineteen eighty two, eighty three. You know, fairly recently. Just got like he might have. My mom changed. She says like he was talking shit to the skinheads. But they were still skinheads. Well, yeah, it's there. right by Idaho, and that's not known for anything good ever. I don't know if I, if Idaho ever goes through like a Portland change, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, it's it's known for TM and for for off the grid uh, white supremacy. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's got it's and it's great at both of them. It's great. <laughs> but people, no, they would, you'd see street kids, you'd see strung out people who like even when you're nine who don't look like 
too much older than you, you know, yeah. like teenagers. Yeah. Uh, there's a huge, like lots of homeless teenagers in Portland, all strung out on heroin. Right. This same with Seattle before Seattle t- took a turn. Yeah. You know, like they, cause there was a, you know, big runaway contingent, big heroin problem up there. I wonder where the fuck it comes in. If it's Seattle, it's got to come in from, from like, uh, from the, Asia, from right? The Asia. It's got to yeah. be from the ports. Portland, yeah. I mean, is a port city as yeah. well. Not, not to the level Seattle is, but it's got to be coming in there. Well, yeah, because it's like, you know, the, the Asians and Japanese and I, it's got to be like that golden triangle shit from vietnam and yeah. stuff yeah it's, and it's probably been going in there since uh you know just after the vietnam war and shit i'm sure i'm sure it has yeah yeah so like but when you grew up with these like were, were, were did you feel like a lot of members of your family were part of that kind of like that hippie thing i didn't i don't know if they were hippie like i see pictures of my uncle john who died when i was 13 he died the day after my bar mitzvah uh really yeah or like two days after. I think it was the day after. Did my he go to your bar mitzvah? He did. Uh huh. Yeah. Did he look bad? No, no. That's the thing. I mean, when when like a heroin addict dies, it tends to be because they got clean, yeah. right? Or they get bad dose. They get a bad dose, or they get clean and then try to take as much as they were taking right, before, right? And then just completely fuck themselves up because their body's not used to it. What, what happened with John? That's what happened to him. Oh. That's what happened to my aunt as well. She get, like she died right after she got out of treatment. Ugh. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. She, they both left children behind, you know, and like, uh, and the family has, you know, took in uh, my Uncle John's kid and my Aunt Judy, her children were fully grown. But like, uh, it's, it's, and there's a lot. You'll have. It's just a weird thing that people don't realize is that you, this is a woman with fully grown children. Yeah. Who's been, you know, on and off being strung out for, for decades. Their entire life. Yeah. And yeah. You, you just don't think of like, you know, mom, my mom's a heroin addict. My aunt, she's a, you know, functioning heroin addict. Uh, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a it's, unique thing. You can think about your parents, you know, yeah. like, well, they're kind of messed up, but they're right. not functioning heroin addicts. Right. <laughs> and that's real life for somebody. Yeah. You know, it's not like a compelling showtime drama. <laughs> it is. Yeah. She would, you know, she'd show up to Christmas. And I could never suss it out because she'd always been like that. But my mom would be like, oh, she's fucked up. Yeah. You know, right now oh. coming to like uh, coming to like holiday parties. So your mom's not Jewish. She was she converted before I was born. Really? So uh, your dad really had a, had the pull on he her. He did have the pull on her. Yeah. yeah. He really he wanted Jewish children. And yeah. I think his parents really wanted Jewish children. Uh, but she grew up a pretty much a religious. I think yeah. from a Catholic so you got Christmas background. and the Hanukkah. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. And then when they got divorced, I got like Christmas and Christmas and Hanukkah. Uh huh. Yeah. Cause... So you grew up with all these cousins. Yeah. And and everyone's around, tight family. You seem pretty well adjusted. I'm I decently well adjusted. I I I, I feel like there's something like there's a giant squid. Of being fucked up, swimming around somewhere in my ocean, and like science just hasn't been able to capture it on film yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, maybe when you're forty. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but I feel like I almost feel like I should preemptively yeah. go to therapy. Yeah, yeah, to get the squid. Yeah, just to find it. Yeah, I really do feel. Sometimes I'll feel bad. Like, why aren't I fucked up? I'm a comedian. I should be more fucked up, right? You're a little fucked up. I'm a little fucked. I mean, I'm a, I'm fat. I can't stop eating. I'm trying to. You know. Uh, when did that start? I don't like when I was like 12, 13. You just can't stop eating. I just started packing it on. Yeah. But you're one of those guys. I can't, what do you, I can't picture you thin. It's hard. It would be hard to be thin. Yeah. I'm we, trying to be, I'm trying to be like Hollywood fat. Yeah. You, which I'm getting, you know, I'm kind of there already, but like I just want to be healthier. I don't want to end up like you. I mean, John Panette just died. 
you know. Panette lived life to its fullest, though. He did. He, yeah, yeah, it wasn't just food with him. <laughs> no. But you don't see too many old fat comedians, you know, and that worries me. You see, like, you see, like, 50s comedians, but yeah. 50s fat was like they were 170 pounds. Right. Well, you see old fat comedians that got the operation, or they they, they, they look, look like they're, yeah, they're half the people yeah. used to be. If I lose this weight, I got to do it before, like, 35, where people start, you, where you get that weird, I yeah. used to be fat neck. Yeah. You can't be funny with that. <laughs> it's not funny. It's funnier to be fat. It's funnier to be fat. That they, 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 I used to be fat neck. That I used to be fat. It's it's the worst. <laughs> and they wear like then they'll wear like form fitting clothes too because they're so excited about their new body. <laughs> yeah, everybody, and everybody that sees them that knows them thinks they they must be sick. Yeah, yeah. And What's, they, they oh feel my God, great. What happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're like, no, <laughs> nothing happened. I'm a new man. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, when you can see a fat person's bones, you automatically yeah, assume yeah, like yeah. Oh, oh, something oh, went no. wrong. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you might want to add that part of your colon back. I need to get like Jonah Hill right now, fat. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, he, he's pretty. He carries it pretty well. He does pretty good with it. So, all right. So you 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 you, you grow up. You're always a pretty gregarious kid, and you you know people like you. Yeah, yeah. You got the fe- I got the feeling from you that people like you. People people seem to like me. Yeah. I like I like a lot of people. Yeah. Too. I mean, I'll talk shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get together with like you know Funches or other friends or whatever, yeah, 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 yeah. and you'll you'll sit around and talk shit. I gotta talk to Funches. You should talk to Funches. I think we got it on the books. I think I think you do have it on the books. Yeah, yeah. So all right. So when does like what 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 is the decision making process around being funny? So you end up playing football. I played football. But you're like one of those football guys. You could you you had free rank. You weren't a jock jock. No way. Are the the weird thing about my high school football team is none of the good football players were jocks. Like our quarterback was in like AP classes, yeah, and like uh, just a super smart kind of kind of dull yeah. smart guy, yeah. And uh, like I was good, mostly because I was gigantic. But what I hung position? out. I was a defensive tackle. Yeah, uh, I hung I hung out with some of the football players, and then with just ner- kind of nerds, but not really nerds the way you know they weren't like programming computers or anything yeah. like that. There's no good word just for them. Just misfits. Kinda, misfits. Dudes yeah. who are just... Misfits that weren't fuck-ups. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. We need a word for that kind of person. <laughs> Maybe just humans. Uh, yeah. One of them was like into skateboarding. The other one, yeah. like like he would play his guitar, you yeah. know? And then yeah. a couple of my other friends were those kind of people also on the football team. Yeah. Because it was something to do. Uh, fucked up my knee senior year of high school. Yeah. Uh, and then like I, I could have played in college, but I could have played at like a bad college, yeah. you know? Um, so I decided, I just decided not to, just yeah. not to, just to not play. Uh, and then went off to college. I went to Southern Oregon University for one year, yeah. which is in Ashland, Oregon, yeah. which is a beautiful town, but it's a weird place to go when you're like 17, 18 years old. Yeah, I feel like I've been there. It's, they, they do a Shakespeare festival there. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's gorgeous, but, uh. Then I transferred like one year later and got to Portland State University. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Real, like I was gonna become a lawyer, but the closer I got to that becoming a reality, the more I realized, like, oh, this, this is fucked. I don't want to do any of this. And I, my, my dad sat me down one time, and uh, this was like first or second year in college, and he told me he was like, "Don't become a lawyer." Yeah. Like I'm, like it makes me, it makes me very unhappy. You know, yeah. like in my in my personal life, it, well, he it, sat you down, and said he that. He said that to me. He knew I wanted to become a lawyer, and he said that to me before I even had any designs of becoming a comedian. He just told me like, "This is when he, you know, that when his illusions were shattered." Yeah, and he was like, "Well, he's stuck doing it. He'd much rather be like I don't know, the, like the." things you do when you're kind of frustrated with your career like i'd rather open a restaurant yeah. or become an author or yeah. any of that kind of stuff yeah 
Uh, and I so think he, so. He did you that service? He did. He sat me down and said, "Don't become, don't become a lawyer." Why did? Why were you thinking about becoming a lawyer? It, I think honestly because it was an impressive answer that I gave when I was younger. Yeah, and like you know, everybody else was like, "I want to be a cop. I want to be a fireman." Yeah, you know, and yeah. then I was like, "I'd like to be an attorney." Yeah, and like all these guys were, "Oh, and, and what you, a nine-year-old!" And your dad was an attorney, and he was an attorney. So yeah, you figured why not? I did that. My dad was a doctor. My mom be a doctor. And you yeah. wanted to become a yeah, right? Yeah, but then you're like, oh, what the fuck? I couldn't. Could you imagine doing anything even remotely? I, would, well, I mean, I wish I had the, the the fortitude to do it or the passion for it. I mean, you know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I, you know, would I be happier, you, you know, saving lives uh, than sitting in my garage? I don't know. I don't know. You know, but you know, you live with these people. That's the weird thing is like, you know, when you live with a doctor, you're like, well, he's never home, never, and you know, yeah. and he's distracted. And, you know, he's got his own issues. And But, yeah, it's nice that your father actually looked at, was it sort of like, listen, kid. He, we were at dinner, yeah. And it was kind of that, like, uh, I think I was talking about class or something like that. And he, yeah, just kind of a very real moment yeah. of, like, don't, don't go into it. I know you're thinking about it. Don't. And maybe that's one of those things where you're, like, like well, if he really wants to do it, he'll keep doing it anyway. Right. Uh but I, I, it helped me realize that I didn't really want to do it. And what year was that? In this your, was, you know? I think, my second year of college. Yeah. Right before, right before I took that improv class. Yeah. I think that was my third year of college. Yeah. Uh, of five. Um, but yeah, that made me realize, like, I was made me really think about it. And then I was kind of lost for a while. I didn't really know. I mean, I, once I started getting into comedy, that felt like is it after even, college though, or in college? this is in college when I started doing improv. Uh, and making people laugh. That see, I'd always liked comedy. Like I grew up listening to it. Uh, you know, I would like fall asleep to like George Carlin yeah. albums or uh, Chris Rock or yeah. uh, Eddie Izzard. Yeah, uh, I would you know put it on and like fall asleep to it. I'd watch it whenever it was on TV, but it never seemed like a realistic. It just didn't seem like a thing that and that you could do. Yeah, I didn't know how these people got into it, but it just seemed fucking like absurd. Yeah, that that was the thing you could do. It didn't seem realistic. <laughs> not a not a good job choice. Not a good like yeah. And I mean, the funny thing is, it turned out to be smarter than being a lawyer. But like. Uh, yeah, it just seemed unrealistic. And then, like when I started taking those comedy classes, I was like, "Oh, you can, I can make people laugh." Yeah, you know, and like it's instant approval. And then, like you start doing little shows and start. I was still in my like mid early twenties, so I started like, "Well, I could, I'm going to pursue this and see how it goes." So did, but how do you, how do you, what, what, how do you like foray into it? I mean, you did the improv shows, and your uncle was supportive. but yeah. I mean, how do you make the leap? I moved. I, I, I really liked improv, and I started like working with groups, and then I got tired of. Being in Portland, and one day I just decided I was going to move to Los Angeles. I lived here once before. Really? Yeah, about five years ago. Five and a half years ago. I think, yeah, I was like 25, 24. So you hadn't done comedy yet? I hadn't done stand-up. Right, so you come down, you're like, I moved down it. to take eight classes with the Groundlings. Yeah. I moved to South Central Los Angeles. Yeah. Not even knowing. Yeah. Uh, that That's where, like... So you had no friends here. You didn't know anything. I, I didn't. I didn't know a single soul and here. You just sort of like, where does someone live here? I threw all my shit in my car and drove down. And I was staying in like I stayed in. I had I cashed in my bar mitzvah money. Wow. Which was like, which ended up being about like seven thousand dollars. It seems so much more when you're younger. It doesn't. It? And then you get <laughs> and you're like seven grand. That's gonna last me like yeah. I, a, I better month. figure shit out in a yeah. couple months. Yeah. Uh, I threw all my stuff in my car. I drove down. Stayed in hotels. You know, for the first four or five nights, and I was on like a. There's a there was a coffee there was like an internet cafe yeah. on Melrose near the Groundlings because I just stayed near there because that was the only thing that I knew I had to be close to. Uh, and and I you was, got into the classes. I got into the classes. Yeah, uh, and I was finding like play, on Craigslist trying to find people to live with. 
And eventually these people like, they were like, yeah, uh, you know, we'd, we'd like to interview you. And then my mom called them and talked them into taking me in. Uh, and I, and then I moved in and I signed the lease and I was like, this is, looks like kind of a rough neighborhood. And then they told me like, oh yeah, you live in South Central. And I knew about South, from all the rap songs that I'd listened to. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, holy fuck. And then it's all these like things I'd seen started like, like, Make oh, oh those people with like blue bandanas, those yeah. weren't hipsters yeah. at all. Those yeah. were like crips, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and it was, it was like, it wasn't like terrible South Central, but it was right on like the edge of it. Yeah. Uh, they, these people went to USC. Yeah. The people I lived with. Yeah. But that was still like five, six miles away. Right. Well, that's right in South Central, it's right? right there the in South edge. Central. Yeah. And this was even South and Centraler mm-hmm. than that. Uh, so that was, a, and then I stayed there a year. I took the two, uh, I took level one and level two at the Groundlings. And then they were like, okay, it'll be like a year and a half until you can get into the writing lab, which was the fourth part of it. And while I was in LA, I tried stand up. Where? Uh, at the comedy store. Yeah. And like doing bringer shows. But in what the, happened? How'd you hit the wall here? What, what made you leave? It, I, I couldn't, like I was working at a P.F. Chang's in Torrance, California, which is 10 miles south of like downtown L.A. So it's even farther. And I was doing that and trying to do comedy and not, and I couldn't do the Groundlings for like another year and a half. And I so was So you're like, just like out at sea. I was completely adrift. And like I didn't know, I it's a could, fucked up feeling. Where you like, yeah, you have no way to. How do you get in? It was so. What the fuck up. you do? You're out like at a, what a strip mall, working at a PF Chang. Exactly in the in a fa- in the fashion center is what they called it. It was in like Torrance. yeah, shitty strip mall in Torrance. That was my and you had to work night shifts and like if you were an actor, that's fine. I guess you can go to auditions during the day. I wanted to do comedy, but every good comedy night, I have to work, you know, to be able to afford to live here. And yeah, you do feel completely lost. You feel like you're on the outside of entertainment and there's no doors. You're just staring up at this wall that goes up as high as you can. And that's what it felt like. Like I, I wrote sketches for like some website and uh, was, you know, I, I had a couple of friends from the Groundlings, but we never, you know, even if you put a group together. Yeah. What do you, where are you going to go perform? I didn't even know how to. Yeah. Where am I going to go? Like find some bar? Oh, like can so- my three person improv group perform here? They were so, shot me. It's so lonely and weird when you've it's, got no a- idea how to to you know to navigate. It's the loneliest this business. In, you know, and you're in L.A. The worst. It's it's well, it's what, L.A. But when you when you're doing well and when you're not doing well, looks ugh. like two such different cities. But you go to Groundlings and you you must have been you know aware of the history of it. I was complete. I was obsessed with the history of it. Yeah. Every like. People would be like, why is he moving to L.A.? And I'd be like, well, I'm going to do the Groundlings. That's where Will Ferrell and like, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. like you'd go down the list of people. And then you get there and you're like, oh, these are improv classes. <laughs> Just like any other place. They're more expensive. The more prestigious people have come through here. But they're still improv classes. How do you make the cut? You had no idea how, you know, you got into the stage. You know, the- you, go, you fly down to audition and like they pass. I, I was so nervous about the audition. And then it turns out they pass pretty much everyone who can speak English. Right. I think they just do the audition so like sex offenders and like people right. with needles can't get right. in. Right, yeah. Uh, and then you do the first level. There was a person in my first level who like barely spoke English. And that's when it really sunk in that I was like, I really blew this up in my head way too much. Yeah. Um, and then in the second level, uh, I mean, you make the cut after like, okay, good, you're good. But how do you get, get into the, the tour, into the, the, the actual stage company? There's four levels. You have to do the first two. And then uh, and then after the first two, which are just improv, there's usually a pretty long wait to get into the writing lab. But isn't anyone fast-tracked? No. Mm. No, I don't think so. When did the heartbreak crash down on you? I was- Do you remember the day? I, do, I, I was like- Starting to turn into summer in Los Angeles. I'd been there about a year. 
and I remembered how beautiful the summers in Portland were. And I remember I, I went out for this uh, uh, interview for this place that would like clip commercials uh, that like mentioned a movie and then you would like compile them and send them to the studio. Some weird remora on the bottom of, you know, the Hollywood system. But it paid. Well, it, it was just a. It was a, a clipping service, so studios knew that their commercials were being run. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. You, I didn't. You I, didn't even know. I Isn't it the even weirdest clear. thing? Is like you know, you take these jobs. Like when I was out here the first time, you know, I I had a friend who worked at Canon Films, and they needed script readers. We yeah. just do synopsis of the scripts, and I did four of those, and that was the end of that. Right. And you're and like, they, what was that? Yeah, what was I doing? Yeah, yeah. And then I did like some PA work at the you know music video shoots for children's videos. And I'm like, how the fuck did this happen? You have no idea. Because like, when you're like we are, yeah. and I think I, I feel the same thing, it's like no one prepared us to, you know, to for life. No, you know, we, especially it, not this one. We, right, but a career yeah. was not the option because we didn't plan for it. No, no, you know, yeah, you, keep things keep, like, you just hear yes just enough to keep moving forward. Right, but, but it's yeah. not like, you know, like, okay, my agenda is to make money. You're like, no, I've got this ridiculous dream. I have no fucking clue. Yes. I don't even know how to rent an apartment properly or, or furnish it. And, and it, <laughs> Nothing. I was sleep. I slept on an egg crate mattress. Yeah. Like not even a real mat, like an egg crate yeah, and you from ju- Ikea. And you just have this dream and yeah. then you go to the groundlings and it's sort of like, holy fuck, I just got taken for a ride. Yeah, completely. And, and they, it's not like they lied to me about it, but like I lied to myself. Right. You know? And so you take this job clipping commercial and what happened? I didn't take, I went for the interview yeah. and it was like, it was like 40 grand a year or yeah. something like that. And I was like, holy fuck. And it's during the day. It's yeah. a lot of money that I can go out at night yeah. and I can do, you know, I can, yeah. I can do more improv. I can see what the stand up thing yeah. is all about. And I didn't get it. And I was like, I'm working at PF Chang's in Torrance in Torrance. And like, I should just go back and get my college degree. Ugh. I should finish up because I let, I just dropped out of school and I, after and I moved your to, second year. Yeah. After my, yeah. Second year, just dropped out, went to LA to pursue the dream, the dream. And, uh, eventually figured out that the dream wasn't a real thing. And then I told my boss at the Torrance and PF Chang's, my grandfather was sick. <laughs> I had to go back to Portland. Could I transfer to the one in Portland? Yeah. And eventually I'll be back. I'll be back like in yeah. six months. Yeah. Because I love happen. working here. I love it here. I want to come back to LA. Yeah. I love working at PF Chang's. So I transferred to the one in Portland. They did it. They did it for me. Oh. Lied right to their faces. Yeah. And then I worked at that one in Portland and uh, eventually got fired from it. Yeah. So did you go back to school? I did. I went back to school. And then finished school like after another like two two years two three years uh, and you had this secret LA thing and under your belt the secret experience see I'm, I didn't know about that and I'm telling you to go and you never once told me like oh I had a I know that, it's like a bad bad story down it there it was a bad experience I mean I had I had fun in those classes but it was just a it made I I like not to not to be too faux poetic or whatever but like when you go to a part of LA where you can see a lot of the city. If you're up at like the Griffith Park Observatory and you look out at all the people and the lights and you're like, how many people are fucking failing right now? You know, you yeah. look out and like how many people like are just like struggling and like yeah. diluting themselves and going to auditions after auditions because somebody told them that they were talented so they could, you know, Did have you sex little, with them or whatever. Taste. Yeah, it was stringing you along. Yeah. And like. till you lose your way back. No, there's no fucking breadcrumbs. There's no it's, no cookie crumbs, whatever the fuck it is. It can be depressing, but then when you're doing well, it looks like uh, like oh look at all these people, you know. Pursuing but you knew their that. Dreams. But you the one thing you learned on that trip was like, it's 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 not that it's a lie. It's yeah. just that they're that whatever the access code is 
this isn't it. This isn't it. Dry, yeah, showing up here with no connections, with no real experience. Yeah. Other than like maybe maybe a talent. Yeah. You know. That's not enough. That's not it. Yeah. You need to go really prepare yourself. And when I got back to Portland, uh, I started writing a lot more. I started doing uh, more stand-up. You know, I tried to do improv, and then I got so frustrated by the people who I was doing it with. Because they, and not, I mean, they were being fair. They didn't want to rehearse three, four nights a week because mm-hmm. they were people who were going to become a nurse or an accountant. They wanted to go see a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? We're, not, we're never going to be famous. And they're like, I know, we're not going to be famous. Yeah. I'm going to get married <laughs> and I'm going to live in Beaverton. I'm, I'm just doing this for people skills. Right, yeah. This was a nice way to meet somebody yeah. and now we're dating and I'm mm. kind of not interested in this anymore. And uh, that's what kind of pushed me towards stand-up and I started getting more and more into stand up and doing less. Well, what was the scene up there? Who who were the guys? They were uh, like in Portland. Uh, Richard Bain, Ron Funches was up there. Uh, Shane Torres, Gabe Dinger, uh, Christine Levine. So you and Funches and this crew yeah. are out doing the open mics, and it's slowly building the scene up. And we're like, uh, you know, harassing the local newspapers to cover us. And then weren't you writing for a paper? I wrote for the Portland Mercury. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wrote for the Mercury my last like year in Portland, so, yeah. like, the, and that was great. That was a great experience. They gave me like first they let me do like a tour, like a on the road diary doing stand up, and then I wrote an article about Portland, and then they gave me like a column so I could do five hundred words about whatever I wanted every week, and that was that was a lot of fun. That helped me like really like hone my kind of like point of view as far as writing goes. Right, right. And so you started doing the work, and then when Helium opened up, that's when things changed. Helium was huge. Yeah, he. I got to uh, open the second week at Helium. It was with Natasha Leggero. I got to MC for her. Um, I was working at Netflix in the call center at Netflix at the time. The most depressing job I've ever had. Really? It was the worst. Why? Just the pe like people have. I mean, because if you're just a voice on the end of a phone, they have no regard for you as a human. I know. So I, I'm just, guilty of that. I do it too. Yeah. But what I've, I, I, when I'm doing it, I try to remind myself. Well, you would never help these people. But if they would be nice to you, I would give people a year free. Yeah. Because it was just a click of a button and no one would ever check it. But what was the call about? Was it like complaining about a- My disc showed up broken. Yeah. I can't get this TV show to play. This anime has subtitles. (laughs) I want it to be dubbed. (laughs) Shit like that. People like telling you to turn their internet on. People who had no idea what Netflix (laughs) was. Uh, And it was just that for 12 hours a day, three days a week. Yeah. When Helium opened, I got to to go work uh, over there. And then- you slowly figure out like, oh, I can request comedians that like I'm that I like, you know. Yeah. And that's like as I, a local opener. As a local opener, I'm like, hey, do you have an MC for Marin yet? Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh yeah, go ahead. And yeah. like, and like you and I opened for Canane. Yeah. And that was huge. And uh, and then you just pretty much just you two because Bronger wouldn't play it. So as far as like influences, but like uh, you get to open for these like really cool people. Yeah. And then and I'm not gonna blow smoke up your ass. I'm sure you've like you get to see. Uh, a, a different kind of comedic aesthetic, almost more honest yeah. than than maybe the stuff you even saw on TV yeah. coming up in the '90s. And you, oh, these people are being very funny, yeah. But they're talking about the stuff they want to talk about, and and they're not doing it in like it's not like a setup punch. Setup punch. You right. can be funny a lot of different ways, right? And that is so important, I yeah. think, to see and to be around, yeah. When you're when you're coming up as a comedian, and what Helium did, and also the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, both of those things brought those kind of comedians. And we, you know, me and Funches and Bain and, uh, and you know, Gay, like all that, those, and Shane, those people in Portland uh, got to see those people be successful. And we're like, oh, fuck, we can do that too. And then I think we took that and then started like building a comedy scene 
there in Portland. So Helium did, like, Helium at Bridgetown changed everything by giving us access to those comedians and also access to the kind of people who want to buy a ticket to come see you. Right. Also, they get to see that I'm here. Yeah. Now maybe they see I'm on a show at some bar. They're going to come out to that. Yeah. And like, and it started really like churning up a like a kind of a creative comedy scene there in Portland. Yeah. And it eventually got to the point I was I, I didn't need a day job anymore. I got fired from Netflix, and I could make my money doing comedy in Portland, writing for the newspaper, and then doing stuff. I was on like the post game show for our basketball team. Hmm. Uh. You were? It was a local yeah. gig. Yeah. I'm yeah. like the local cable channel. Oh, yeah. Which was also eventually why I left, because I was like, I could just keep doing this forever. Right. And you were a local celebrity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. People, you know, I'd be walking across the street, you know, mm. in shitty basketball shorts. Be like, yeah. And I'm like, hello. <laughs> Don't look. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah it's me. Yeah. yeah. Hi. Yeah. I mean, you get a kick out of it, but it's sure. also... You be- I became so aware of the, f- the, the... The charm of the prison you might remain in. It- perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I got a nice poster up yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That guy just waved at me. Yeah. I'm getting a free sandwich. It's, yeah, exactly. I would get free sandwiches all the time. <laughs> all the time free. I had like sandwiches named after me for a couple years. It's the happiest you could be. You know, <laughs> you have your own sandwich. You have your own sandwich. You're, I get to go to basketball games for free. It was fucking beautiful. And then you're like, oh, potential eventually rots. Yeah. You know, and then you have to move. You get t- Who wants to be a local celebrity? Yeah. And you don't do it to be a celebrity. I could have kept exploring, you know, uh, the things I wanted to talk about on stage and having it be like a purely artistic or self-satisfaction based pursuit. But like there was always something very depressing to me about like the people who stayed and who never went out and tried to. Yeah. To do it. To do it. Yeah. yeah. And you had that in you because you did it once before with no fucking wisdom at all. None. And then when I knew like when I knew I could come down here and there would be like people who would like get me on shows and I had, you know, I got like uh, new faces at, at Just for Laughs this last summer. And I knew like, okay, now is definitely the right time. Now you have the tools you need to come down here and and be able to work hard. Yeah. You know? And and when you came down, what happened? I got uh, I, I, I got a panel appearance on Chelsea Lately uh, booked from Just for Laughs in Montreal. Okay. And then like about four days after I got here, that's when that was. So I went on and did it. And it went well, and they had me in for a meeting the next day or two yeah. days later. Yeah. And uh, I didn't even know what the meeting was about. <laughs> My manager was like, I think they need a new writer, but I don't know. I, they won't really say what the meeting's about. Who's your manager? Uh, Kara Baker. Okay. At Avalon. Yeah. 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 Same company. Yeah. She's wonderful. Uh, she came and got She signed me when I was still in Portland. Yeah. So I'll be with her until forever. But- uh, she she uh I went in for the meeting and like I got in there and it was Chelsea Chelsea Handler was sitting there and then the show's executive producers and like the riot, the head writer they were all sitting in there and uh I wore cargo shorts I had no idea I wore it's pretty much the same outfit I'm wearing now uh and I was like what so so what's this about and like they were like <laughs> well you know we're you know we just want to get to know you better you were on the panel so then like I got a little less excited I was yeah. like well maybe they do this with all the new comedians who yeah, come in yeah. And uh, we had a meeting. It was like uh, they were very inappropriate during the whole thing. I think at some point they brought up raping my mother. Yeah. And I rolled with, you know, I was able to like roll with it yeah. and like laugh about it. And uh, and then uh, so they were trying to push your buttons. They were trying to it. push my buttons to see if I could fit in, I think, yeah. with the tenor of their yeah. writer's room. Yeah. And then uh, on that Monday, they called me and offered me a writing job there. And I took I took it like uh, immediately. I had been auditioning for this, like, for some TV show that's going to be on FXX. And yeah. it, that was going well. But then this, like, sure thing came up. And I was like, yes, I'll take, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. It sounds like you're on your way. Yeah, things. I think I, I'm. I'm having fun. You know, and it's, been, I gotta be honest with you. Yeah, you know when I did that when we were when I was over at Conan with uh, with my niece. Yes. Yeah, you were there when I got to when I and that Conan. was your first Conan. That was my first and late like, night. Yeah. yeah, and it was like this weird moment because yeah, usually like you know I I I am not a cynical person, but yeah, I don't you know I, I don't wish anybody ill will, but yeah. my reaction. You know, when I saw you do it, you were like, I'm doing my first one. I was like, I was like proud of you. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, God, that's great. And I think I tried to make you feel better. Like, you I'm, did make me feel better. You told, you were, you had very nice, you you said it's just like doing a set. You're going to do great. Yeah. You're going to go out there. It's just like doing stand up anyway. Right. Yeah. Don't think about, you yeah. know, that, whatever the thing is you were thinking about. I can't remember what I said, but you were nervous about something. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, I'd only known for like two days that I was going to be doing it. They told yeah. me on Friday and it went great. On Monday. It went great. It went pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Well, congrats, buddy. I, I'm glad everything worked out for you, or it's working out now. It's, it's it, hopefully it continues. Either way, I can always go back to Portland and be that sad local celebrity. Right? What about PF Changs? Uh, yeah, they're always hiring. Yeah, they <laughs> got a great business model there, Mike. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> great guy, Ian Carmel's a great guy, and it worked out for him. He stood, he stuck with it. And he, he he didn't he didn't buckle, had a little bit of a of a detour, but but uh, you know, but he went and licked his wounds up in Portland, came back, and and now we got him down here, and now he's doing well for himself. So Funches, what can you say about Funches? What can you say about Ron Funches? He's a he's almost like a mythological creature. You know, he's a sweet guy. I mean, like yeah, I'm a, I'm a little cranky, and I remember one time Funches. I don't know. I think we were on Twitter. He asked me, he said, you want to go get some ice cream? Who was involved with that? Uh, Emily Kumail's wife and I think Shelby Farrow. For some reason, we were just dicking around on Twitter and it was like, you want to get ice cream? Yeah, uh, yeah, I want to get ice cream. Let's go down to Scoops down the street. And sure enough, we all went and had ice cream. And I'll tell you, having ice cream with Ron Funches was a, it's definitely a highlight. It was a highlight. He's just, he's a sweetheart and he's got his own groove and his own pace and his own way of doing comedy. It's rare that you see somebody with a, a unique delivery and a new a unique sort of presence up there but ron's got it and uh, and i got him here now so this is uh, my conversation with ron funches portland day continues sometimes i wish i paid more attention in school or in some cases any attention at all there are probably a lot of things i could have gotten more out of like literature and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics but luckily for us there's a new podcast called the foxed page that dives deep into the best books of all time this is basically like the best possible college english class but more relaxed and fun no pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class it's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author kimberly ford everything from cormac mccarthy to madame bovary from classics like frankenstein to modern hits like lessons in chemistry i love ireland but i missed the boat on james joyce the fox page has a three-part series on dubliners and that's a pretty great starting point want to get the most out of what you read the fox page is for you get it now wherever you get your podcasts here Ron Funches. I'm Ron. Why? Why is it that whenever I'm I, I I'm come in touch with you, when I come in contact with you, I get uh, I get I get edgy. <laughs> I I can't I can't handle the pleasantness. 
of uh, the Ron Funches. I thought you enjoyed it. No, I do enjoy it. But there's part of me that's sort of like, what's going on with that guy? <laughs> what's he hiding? How is he? Why is he so pleasant? There's got to be some problem there. He can't be this nice all the time. Oh, it's not all the time. I have my own battles. You do? Really? Yeah. Do you yell? Yeah, of course. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know this about you. Every time I've seen (laughs) you, we've eaten ice cream. Yeah. We've done some stand-up. It's usually stand-up and ice cream. That's our relationship as I'm aware (laughs) As it it stands now. And me trying to get you to be nasty. (laughs) So, you don't live down the street anymore? No, no. I used to live in a room uh, in Highland Park, and now I live in a house in Glendale with uh, Ian Carmel. You and Ian live together? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a that's a powerhouse of Portland comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a classic setup. <laughs> the uh, the large black man, the large Jew. Yeah, yeah, classic Def Jam. <laughs> we're doing we're we're making our own record company. Third base man, <laughs> wasn't that the name of that the Jewish guy? Yeah, the one Jewish MC rapper. Search. Yeah, yeah. How's that guy doing? I think he's he was hosting a show for VH1 a couple years. That's ago. That's not a good sign. <laughs> That doesn't mean positive things. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you end up in Portland? I ended up in Portland. I um, I was actually, I was born here in California in um, Gardena. Really? Mm-hmm. We, and, and you moved up there when you were a kid? No, I moved to uh, Chicago first when I was a kid. My mom and dad got divorced. And How old were you when that happened? Uh, four. Really? Mm-hmm. How was that for you? I mean, I don't. <laughs> it was four, so I don't really remember. So, it. You, who'd you end up with? Your mom? Yeah. And so, you, your dad just was. Well, he stay in California. Yeah. And you went to Chicago. Mm-hmm. With your and your mom, what she have work up there? I uh, know she had family there. Mm. So we lived with my aunt and her uh, daughter for how long? Uh, for a few years, for several years. So you were in Chicago till when? Uh, until I was thirteen. So you remember it? Mm-hmm. Did you, like, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have one uh, full sister. I have some half-sisters and brothers that I don't really count. But yeah. Oh, I have really? one full sister. Brothers that you don't count? Yeah. Where, whose kids are they? Uh, my dad's. Oh, really? Yeah. You guys, you don't, you know, they're just half-brothers? And... They just, I mean, I just didn't have them around me. Are so... they Funches? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all kept the name. Yeah. <laughs> do you know the other Funches? I know a few of them, yeah. <laughs> How many are there? Uh, I think I think my dad has like uh, has uh, five kids. Really? Yeah. So do you do you know your dad? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get along with him? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that was condescending to me to say. Do you know your dad? <laughs> was that a, was what? it slightly? That was what it a, racial? I, 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 well, you know, I just thought it was generational. You know. What <laughs> having the lots of kids and you know taking off that kind of thing you know that that's what i did (laughs) (laughs) we get to that so you're in chicago till you're 13 and then your mom goes to portland why because they're what did they was there a quota Uh, (laughs) one in one out (laughs) uh no uh well my dad got back in touch my dad uh had a drug problem for a while and then which drug uh i'm I'm assuming a few but mostly cocaine oh yeah yeah oh so he so that's why your parents split up because of the Mm -hmm. drugs so your mom was like fuck this i'm going to chicago with the kids if you get your shit together give me a call yeah okay and so he didn't call for several years (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, he wanted to really finish up <laughs> yeah, yeah. whatever he was working on. <laughs> he had some business to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he started getting in touch uh, a little bit later, and um, he was going to Portland to work in construction, and um, Chicago wasn't working out too well for me. Um, my mom had like a boyfriend that was kind of abusive, and also, really, yeah, like what? I mean, general abuse, beating the shit out of you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of different things. She sent you off to live with your dad. Yeah, yeah. Is she still with that dude? No. Mm-mm. How long they didn't get married? <laughs> no, luckily they didn't get married. Now, is your mom still around? Yeah, my mom and my sister live together in North Carolina. My sister is a OBGYN, and my mom is a registered nurse, and they, they hang out like some type of sitcom. So she's a she's a doctor. She's a doctor, and your mom's a nurse. My mom's a nurse. That's a good story. <laughs> so you just ended up in Portland with your pops? Yeah, my dad. Um, at thir- fourteen? At thirteen? Yeah. In this place, actually, uh, Salem, Oregon, which is the capital of Oregon. Uh huh. So it's like an hour away. There's not many black people in Oregon. Nope. Why is that? <laughs> well, Could you speak for the uh, entire black community? I and think address I can. Portland, please. I, I will. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a segregated city. There's a lot of people, in, uh, black people in North Portland. There are. Yeah. There's a lot of. Um, there was a movement of people, like people who would be in gangs here in Los Angeles or Oakland and stuff. If they got in trouble, they would send them to, to Portland. Portland. Yeah. No jail, Portland. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're trying to avoid jail by right. going to Portland. Really? Yeah. That's a real thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, people who fucked up here, they'd go hide in Portland. Yeah. But I... What, what, I mean, that's just Portland in a nutshell, right? Like, just... <laughs> that's for everybody. Yeah. When you, when everything else is... Uh, when there's nowhere else to go... Go to Portland. Go to Portland. Yeah. If things get too weird, go to Portland. It'll if be okay. If you're too fucking weird... Go to Portland. Go to Portland. <laughs> I always felt weird up there, though. I think there's a weird energy to it. Yeah, I think you... Because you have an aggressiveness to you that you, you want to get things done, and it is more of a... a a relaxed uh, whatever vibe to Portland. Yeah, but I think there's a, que- a creepy white vibe to Portland. Is that possible? <laughs> I mean, I'm not speaking as a black man. I mean, it's a it's as far as it's full of white people. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely full of white people and improv. Those are two white things. <laughs> 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 it's definitely a, I mean a place full of white people. But I love it. It was a, it's a great place and good place for me to start comedy and be my weird self. So yeah. What did your dad end up doing? Just construction. Yeah, works pipe fitting. Um, he has more kids. He's got his own things going on. We don't really talk that much. You don't? No. Why? Um, it just was never a positive influence for me. Like yeah. anything that I wanted to do, like he wasn't there to parent me, but he still wants to, you know, then offer advice. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you don't. He was like, wants me to be a super Christian. Like he wants me, you know. Oh, really? He's one yeah, of them. He's one of those. When did that come around? After the drugs left? <laughs> yeah, of course. You got to yeah. always replace one thing with another. Yeah. Replace Coke with Jesus. <laughs> I think that's a slogan. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> no Coke for, Jesus. Yeah, for either. If you want to get off soda or get off drugs, yeah. either way. Fill that hole with Jesus. <laughs> exactly. So he's Jesus-y. He's Jesus-y. You know, he still makes his own mistakes with ladies. He just hangs out with... Like, the, the, my mom's side... Of, like, there's always two halves. Like, my mom's side of the family has a lot of doctors, lawyers, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. My dad's side of the family has a lot of people who say they're rappers but are really <laughs> gang members. So... <laughs> It was just became a thing where I was like, oh, if for me to, especially if I'm going to live here in California, I was like, I don't really want to have contact with that side of my family. Oh, really? They're that connected? 
I mean, they're not that connected, but there's nothing positive that's going to come from hanging out with them. Right. There's nothing positive from your dad going, why don't you call your cousin? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go hanging out with them and then hang out there and then I go see them and they're like, oh, I got a new album coming out. And I'm like, oh, let me hear it. And they're like, oh, we don't have any copies. <laughs> Is there a place on the internet I can go listen to your music? No, I don't really. But, you know, I got all this money and I say I'm a rapper. <laughs> so, so you want a job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you go drop this off at this place? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, had you come down here before this last time? Uh, yeah. What do you mean? I mean, like, because I talked to you know Ian, and I didn't realize he had this secret. Uh, when he lived attempt. and worked at Chinese food yeah, restaurants, the, the secret yeah. attempt at show business <laughs> yeah. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you do that? No, no. I always wanted to, but I just—I mean, I was super broke, so I just never could. I think, luckily, me being very poor uh, kept me in place and focused and let me work on my well when did you start doing that the stand up um I started in when I was 23 so so wait so you get up to Portland when you're like 14 Mm -hmm. and that's like nine years before you start doing stand up what the fuck were you up to (laughs) just high school regular shit high school and then out of the high school just um hanging out and dirty mattresses taking gravity bong hits all day just gravity bong hits is that the what those are the tall ones Mm -hmm. uh you know but like the two liters three liters we would take uh these Gatorade giant Gatorade bottles that are like 3.75 liters and yeah. just take two of those in a day and then take a nap and then wake up and do it again it's just not not a fun way to live no so you did that from 14 to 23 <laughs> for the most part <laughs> working at canneries or uh uh Chuck E cheese canneries what's canneries uh you know where you can groceries or can beans and broccoli and stuff at a factory. You put it in cans? Mm-hmm. They have those in Portland? Yeah. Well, they had them in, in, in Oregon. Yeah, in Salem. Is that... I didn't know it was known for that. They're known for being cannery Yeah, places? they have like a Flavor Right. Flavor Right, the, you know, any type of frozen peas place. Oh, like yeah? Those, yeah. That's where they come from? Mm-hmm. And did you... Uh, what, did, would you operate machinery? No. Uh, <laughs> never. I would just have to pick out stocks of broccoli and put them in a chute and avoid putting my fingers close to blades. And then one day that my job was to pick out uh, like rats and snakes out Come of on, the stuff. Man. And yeah, that was the last day I went. Come on, man. <laughs> out of the vegetables? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Dead ones? Yeah. Well, because they'd steam Because they just kind of get rooted up. They're not like plucked out by individual farmers, you know? They're just put all together. And so when you, when they're originally dumped, they're just dirt and rocks and vegetables and dead rodents. Really? I let a lot of rats go through. You did not? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. You think, do, you, do I look like a person that touched a lot of rats? No. No. No, so you just go like, oh, there's one. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, and that's what you'd report back? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, saw, were, I saw a few. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what you wanted me to do about it. But, but the, defi- <laughs> it's definitely going on. <laughs> Snakes too? Yeah, rats, snakes. How long did you stay at that job, man? I, not that long. It took for a few months, and then one day there was a particularly good episode of wrestling on, and I was working there with my friend, and I was just like, "You just want to quit? Like, let's just not go. I don't want to go pick out rats." And that was that. That was it. And you watched the wrestling. Mm-hmm. You're a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. From when you were a little kid. Yeah, would go with my uncle. Um, I think yeah, because he was like my father figure. So it would. Your mother's to, brother. Yep. You'd go in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Who'd you see? 
We'd go see Hulk Hogan versus Earthquake. We'd go see like the Road Warriors. We'd just go to different house events. And... Do you still watch wrestling? Mm-hmm. Why? Because uh, I like it. Because it's fun. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a spectacle. Um, I go to this wrestling in Reseda called Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Which it's like fun. It's like the Meltdown, you know, like Meltdown, the Comedy. show. Yeah. It's for like wrestling. that for wrestling. Yeah. It's like alt wrestling? Mm-hmm. Like Colt Cabana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know Colt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I met Colt. Yeah. That 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 circuit? Yeah. The the sort of like uh, purists? Yeah, the purists. Uh, just the, I mean, I just feel like, you know, as a comedian, I, there's nothing I understand more than somebody throwing themselves through a table for like 25 bucks. Like, you know, I know that feeling. <laughs> you know? So, like, I dig it 100%. And, and knowing that it's completely planned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw myself through that table now. Yeah, I mean, that's seems better to me was like what type of psychopath wants that to be real you right know? like you're a weirdo you're the type of people that wants to watch a gladiator getting eaten by a lion you know? yeah it's better if it's a controlled environment yeah yeah there's a gladiator and, and a lion they're willing to be hurt as uh, as much as they are being hurt yeah was there ever a point where you wanted to wrestle yeah for sure for why sure. don't you that's never too late I've to never do been athletic in my life so there's no way that's gonna happen but I've seen some wrestlers they're not necessarily athletic yeah I, think I mean yeah, if, I, if I was born in a different era I yeah. could be a talker I could be a good manager probably yeah well, is that part of the wrestling thing the manager the manager was it's not much anymore what did he used to do well, they used to do, they used to just come in and they would talk for the people who couldn't talk and they would get people to hate them. And then like the whole thing would be like, you want this guy to get hit so bad that you'd go buy tickets to go see. That was part of the pit. That was part of the, the, the theater, the, mm-hmm. the manager guy. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you would have been a good manager. I see it in your face. Yeah, man. You I'm see. ready to go. I could be your manager. Yes, do it. But then now I got to wrestle? No, but you. Uh, the angle would be like, this guy's out of shape. <laughs> 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 and he's real nice. <laughs> Who doesn't want to see his ass get kicked? <laughs> I'm tired of it. Just for being out of shape and nice. This guy's going down. He can't wrestle. <laughs> All he can do is just stand up. <laughs> He's really good at holding his ground. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, who wants to kick his ass? <laughs> Lying around the corner. Oh. <laughs> Did you ever get your ass kicked? Uh, yeah, sure. For what? Uh, for I mean, for being me. For for the same reasons why you kind of want to kick my ass a little bit. Really? Is that I'm always been this? Like, why are you so? happy why are you yeah let's don't ruin. you know the world's shitty yeah, let's rain you? on that guy's parade yeah 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 are you happy or are you just high i'm ha- i'm both <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part i'm happy because like why why wouldn't i be happy like my life's pretty awesome i do fun things yeah i know what i want to do for my life i feel like that that in itself is the ultimate blessing i know so many people I mean, I talked to my aunt one day, and she she was talking about shooting a show, and she was like, "You," she's like, "You like your job?" And I was like, "I love it." She's like, "You probably go to work early," and I was like, "Yeah, I go to work early every day." And then she's like, "So you just like love it, and you you know you feel like you don't work?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "I've never felt like that ever," and I was like, "And she's like sixty something years old." That's so so like, heartbreaking. I, yeah, yeah. So all right, so you all right, so you kind of smoke your way through high school. <laughs> Did you finish? Yeah. 
Yeah, but you mm-hmm. don't remember much. I remember it. I was there. Yeah, it was mostly me just sitting in front of lockers reading Salinger or Moliere and not getting dates and then being like, if I'm not going to get dates or go hang out with people, I might as well smoke pot with my my friends. No dates? No. Not sad really. life? <laughs> A little bit sad? Uh, I mean, just... just n- yeah, I guess so. Salinger sure. and Moliere. Those were the two things that you remember <laughs> from high school? I remember Salinger, I remember Moliere, I remember reading uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. Those are things that impacted me. Really? Yeah. How did um, All Quiet on the Western Front impact you? Um, it just really shaped like my views on war and um, just treating people mm-hmm. as individuals and remember that they have the same desires and wants and fears that you do. And Moliere? Moliere was more about being truthful and the difference between being an asshole and being truthful mm-hmm. and knowing when to, uh, you know, smooth the situation and when 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 to die on the sword of honesty. Huh. And Salinger? Salinger was just like, like everybody's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's your trinity. Yeah. That, that was the, that was the uh, blueprint. Yeah, we're all fucked up. Treat everybody cool. And everybody won't, is afraid of dying just like you are. Nice. <laughs> just three books. Yeah. There they are. That's all I ever read. So you didn't go to college? Uh, no, I went to community college for a couple weeks. And then I hated it. And so I just dropped out of that. What'd you, what'd you, what was your plan there? Um, I never had a plan. I always kind of just loved comedy and knew I wanted. I like. I knew I wanted to be a stand up. Like, I knew I wanted to be a stand up since I was like six years old. What but, what moment? Who was it? Um, I mean, for just two. Like, there's a few different moments, but as far as like comedy in general, it was like, you know, like I grew up in a house that was kind of violent or weird or loud, and I would just watch a lot of um. After cartoons, I'd watch a lot of Benny Hill and then um, I Love Lucy. Wow. And so... Um, Surprising that you're not, you know, running around quickly or making pies. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a little of both uh-huh. for a very short amount of time. Those are two sort of very slapsticky points of uh, reference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but just fun. They yeah. were fun. Yeah. And so I kind of fell in love with that, and particularly like Lucy. Like, I've always been a big fan of Because it's relief from the 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 anger in the house yeah and just calm and fun and and just uh um just nice it's just a good funny show that took me away from what was going on there did you like have guys that you really liked or? oh yeah like of who? course um i when this first started like i was really into like my mom would just watch comic view yeah so i'd watch like yeah. earthquake and yeah. like earthquake you know, yeah honest john yeah and stuff bruce like bruce 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 for yeah, sure. yeah talent <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so that was my initial like oh people are, are funny but then as I started getting into comedy, um, it was really um, Dave Chappelle and Mitch Hedberg for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Did you see Hedberg? No, I've never got to see him live. I've never... I've talked to a lot of people who worked with him and talk about him. Um, I was just a big fan of his work. And Chappelle? Did you ever see him? Yeah, I got to do a show with him in Montreal last year, and so that was a big deal for me. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How was he? He was good. He was good. I really liked the... Um, this place where he's like I have a lot of talent I have a lot of experience and I do not have the desire to prove anything to you and I definitely still when I go out and do shows I'm like proving that I'm funny and so I'm like I I was like really interested in the 
seeing that. And but you're pretty laid back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, it doesn't feel like you're you're fighting for it. No, no. <laughs> Mostly, I, I'm just kind of like, come on, come visit what I'm about. And if you're not into it, then I'm kind of like, fuck you. I'll prove to you that I'm dope, even if you think I'm a weirdo. Oh, really? You, mm-hmm. Did you have that early on, or did that come from yeah, getting life. hurt? <laughs> of course, Mark. <laughs> I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not it's not hard to find traumas with me. I, I will openly share them with you. But I mean, like the the idea, like because I I know people that I'm always envious of people that have a um, a kind of laid back mm-hmm. groove. Because I, I usually, it's either two things. Either it's hard-earned or they just don't have another speed. Mm-hmm. Y- you know what I mean? But you, you're conscious. Like, at what point did you decide? Because I, I still, it took me years to, to be able to say, like, well, if I'm not your cup of tea, so be it. It's your mistake. You can leave if you want to mm-hmm. uh, or, or try to get them. But, I mean, it took years for me to be comfortable with that. Like, it, it was years of, like, you know, fuck you for not liking me. Mm-hmm. You didn't have that? No, I think, I mean, that was probably instilled in me at a young age. Like, I remember my first day of school, my mom was just being like, hey, like, some kids are going to like you. Some kids are, are not going to like you for who you are. Don't ever change who you are for them. Just like, if kids like you, cool. If they don't, fuck them. That she said that? Mm-hmm. God damn. I wish I had your mom. <laughs> sorry, she sorry. made her own mistakes, too, but, <laughs> <laughs> but she's but like, pretty I, awesome. I can't remember any good advice I got like that. I <laughs> like I literally had to learn all of it. I'm not even sure my parents uh, spoke in that manner. <laughs> I think my parents are more like, we don't know what to do, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, good luck with everything. If you're if, you, if somebody hurts you, you can come home. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll all feel bad together. <laughs> we'll figure it out yeah. together. Yeah, we'll just... I got no real advice for you. <laughs> I'm not sure how it all happened with us. Damn, good advice. Yeah, I felt like it was solid. So, I mean, I carry that with me. Like, I know i just never going to change who I am for someone else. Yeah. So God, that's, uh, that's good, man. Good for you. Thank I don't you. have that. I've Why tried not? to... Well, I try to accommodate people. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, I mean, I, I know I don't seem like that, but like in relationships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I can be like that too, for but, but, sure. But then you just build anger up. Yeah. Because you're like, you know, eventually you're like, I can't change that person. Yeah. Well, no, you can never change a person. You can never. Whoever, whoever they introduce themselves as is who they're going to be. But don't you think people can change? People can evolve. Evolve. But people never change. Evolve. What's the difference? Well, evolving means that they still have their standard base. You know where you're going to, you can see where they're coming from. And like, you're not going to change a 180. The wiring, right. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah who they are is who they are. Yeah. But they might be able they might to learn. make yeah, different decisions for themselves. And, and, and that would make your life easier. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know you are who you are, but if you could not do that, that would be helpful. It would be helpful. <laughs> That's evolving. I want you to evolve into not doing that. I want to change you. You're perfect the way you are, but that choice you're making over and over again hurts me. Yeah. Well, no, that's, I mean, that's a, a lesson I learned from my mom the hard way with the, you know, the guy she was dating. Is that That's what she was hoping, is that she could change, change him. Yeah. And you, and How I, long were they together? I don't know, like eight years, nine years. So it was fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Did it, well, she seems like she did all right. Your sister did all right. The guy mm-hmm. must have, he didn't make a complete mess out of it. No, I mean, 
Maybe just you. If you were the man. <laughs> just the best out of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was no, you don't have a brother, right? No. It was you and how many sisters? One, two? One sister, one one girl cousin. Right. Just all girls, though. Right. So you were the one that he had a, you know. We had battles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> I can't imagine you in battle. <laughs> there was, was there a time where you just, you had an edge? Um. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Were you just fucking raging out at the world? Yeah. And that went away? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was probably, you know, early 20s, mid-20s, just listening to a lot of dead prez in the coup, <laughs> and just wanting to destroy the government. And uh, just, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's what me and my ex bonded over, was our <laughs> hatred of everything else around us. So when you guys met, you got, it was a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you just sit there and just talk shit about the world pretty much and then just you know hating on just focus that on everybody else and then eventually on each other <laughs> and then you had a baby mm-hmm. <laughs> in the middle of all that rage <laughs> you had a baby was that intentional no of course not oh. <laughs> and she wanted to have it yeah we had you know were you married when you when no she, no but we had been together for a, a long enough that we were like, oh, you know, we can we can have this baby, and he's the best. He's been the best thing in my life for sure. What's was, his name? Malcolm. Malcolm. Mm-hmm. And uh, how old is he now? He's a he is eleven years old. Wow, I know. And when did you and her separate? Uh, we separated uh, two years ago, about. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you left. Um, a little bit before I left. Yeah. So what? Now I know the baby's uh, difficult, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What do you mean by that, Mark? Well, yeah, I've talked to you uh, before. <laughs> I've heard you mention the baby. We talked about it on the live podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's a kid now. He's no baby. Uh, he's a, almost a man. Uh, yeah, but he, yeah, he has autism. If that's what that, I'm assuming that's what you mean by what, that. Now, what and, and how does that manifest itself? How did how did you <laughs> like? How did you know that? Like, uh, oh, well, we originally we thought he was deaf. We thought because he just wouldn't respond to things. Yeah. when you called him or when you made noises. Well, that must be horrible because you're how old? Are you? 20 when you have the kid Mm -hmm, 20 yeah 20 and you know it's you're not you don't have a lot of money nope you make a decision to have this kid Mm -hmm. was that a hard decision to make or was that just a no-brainer no it was pretty difficult decision to make um but it was also like i mean we've been together for a while um at the time we loved each other very much and so i was like let's have this kid we're not i'll go get a better job i'll go do whatever it takes is that what you were thinking yeah that's what i did yeah. What did you do when you had the kid? Where'd you work? I worked at a bank call center for Wachovia Bank, which really? is now Wells Fargo. Oh, they're not the same since they changed. Over no, they, they really changed. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to work every day and you're not doing comedy yet? No. You're just going to work, hating your life. Yep. But you got a baby. Buying a lot of stuff that I don't need. Yeah. Trying, wondering why I'm not happy. Yeah. But yeah, so okay, so the kid you think he can't hear, and you bring him to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So we bring him to the doctor, and we get a lot that he can hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they were like, "Well, we need to do some more tests on him." They do some tests on him. Uh, this is when he's about two years old, and they were like, "Yeah, he has a classic autism." What does that What does that mean? Uh, so basically, for him, and for I mean, for a lot of it means like nonverbal. Um, an aversion to text, certain textures and noises and uh-huh. lights, and um, you know, just 
um, de- uh, de- developmental delays uh-huh. and things of that nature. So now you got a, a job you don't like mm-hmm. and you got a kid that's got some problems. Mm-hmm. Life is hard. Yeah. And what do you do with a, a kid that has that? Uh, how did you how'd you learn how to deal with it? Uh, well, we got, I mean, the best, I mean, once we knew, it became a lot easier. Yeah. The hardest part was just being like, what's wrong? Right, <laughs> what's right. going on? He won't sleep. Uh-huh. You know, he would sleep from like 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., like seven days a week, and that was it. And then he'd be up. Up. Doing what? Singing. Oh, really? <laughs> Singing the Jungle Book. Oh, that's pleasant. <laughs> it's pleasant for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was on repeat yeah, oh, on yeah. the Jungle Book? Mm-hmm. Do, that's what they do. That's STEM mm-hmm. behavior, right? Yep. STEM behavior is that they repeat. They find things that, that they can repeat and yeah. comfort them. Yeah, and he and, would repeat several. He um, watched the Jungle Book on VCR and just repeat scenes over and over and over. Okay. Is there a way to sort of move new things into the STEM rotation? Yeah. I mean, you introduce things and, and you add things, but it's also very, you know, rigid. You know, you want him to freak out. Oh, really? So it becomes a battle of uh, what 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 you're willing to deal with. And, and over time... Does this, how's it, uh, has he, has he, I don't know if the word has gotten better or how does that work? Yeah, he definitely, I mean, it'll always be a thing, but like, he's very independent. Um, he's, you know, he's not nonverbal, but he's not, he's not completely verbal. He does a lot of mimicking. He does, he's very good at typing though. Like he's just, he's always been like on the internet and, and typing things out on computers since he was like two. Really? Mm-hmm. So they have a profound focus and intelligence for some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get it. I kind of So get there's it. certain things where they're really awesome at, there's certain things that he's normal at, and there's certain things that he has trouble with. Uh-huh. And and all those things have remained the same throughout? Pretty much. He'll always, you know, he loves cars, racing, computers, doesn't care for baths or <laughs> <laughs> what was the hardest thing sort of uh, in terms of, of dealing with it other people <laughs> judging uh, yeah other people judging uh, like why are you so tired all the time why is your house a mess why uh why do you always give it give in to everything he wants because like you know he'll if he wants something, he like he wants it, like he needs it, <laughs> and he will attack you or throw fits until he gets it. And so you learn to pick your battles. And so the, I mean, there were several times where people like thought we were kidnapping him because he would just wig out because we couldn't afford to buy him something. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So that, but that, but that's what people assume. Like, whose child is that? Yeah. Whose Why kid is, is that going off? Uh-huh. Yeah. Did you ever have to get in any fights or anything over that shit? Um, with him or with people? With people. No, not with people. We had the cops called, you know, a few times. That's but that's was the Cuz he's making noise. Yeah. God, that's hard, man. Yeah. I mean, even now like, you know, if I go um visit him or if we go somewhere together in a hotel, I'm always I have to, you know, let them know ahead of time. Just be like don't put us near somebody else. <laughs> Do you have a bungalow situation? <laughs> yeah. Is there a cottage? Because uh, when you come up to tell us about a noise complaint, I'm not going to be nice to you. That's, no. a, that's a, hell of a, a hell of a burden to, to have. But I imagine that the, the relationship, you start to understand each other, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's been the, I mean, that's the coolest part of it was yeah. like learning like, oh, I don't have to talk. 
like <laughs> talking's overrated i can hang out with you all day and not talk and and we can get things done and i know what you want for dinner and i know what you're asking me off of like glances or, or different things and um and again like he was the one where like i always knew i wanted to be a comedian i always knew what i wanted and i was afraid and i didn't think that it was normal or possible and what having him was like for two reasons i was like hey he's not going to be a typical normal kid and i have to defend that so i should be able to defend what i'm about and then also it was like i'm gonna need to make money <laughs> and i don't want to put him in a home and i don't i know i'm not gonna be alive forever and he may need care forever and so it was like i have to do something so i either have to go back to college and figure out something that i like or I need to really do this thing that I feel that I have a calling for, which even looking back now, knowing that it's kind of working out still sounds stupid, but it's a hell of a decision to make. Yeah. And your wife was okay with it or? Yeah. Well, she just knew that it was what I wanted to do and that, it, that it was the, I mean, that's what we did was just watch comedy and talk Does about comedy. Did she do stand up? No. Mm -mm. Uh, no, she just is a, a a regular lady she writes some funny things she's a funny person but she just a, she's a civilian god that's a hell of a choice man so you already had the kid when he started comedy mm -hmm. and what was uh what was your first night on stage like i mean what was the, what was the uh where was that at i was at uh harvey's in portland yeah um and it was like I mean, I think I just did five minutes talking about man boobs and stuff of that nature. It was just a horrible comedy. Yeah. But the the buzz, like, was a You high. got it. Yeah, You're yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. this was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was always a fear of, like, what is this thing that I think is my calling? Oh, what if I'm wrong? And then I don't know what I want to do at yeah. all. And so that kept me frozen for a while. Uh, but and then that night and just being like, no, this this is I, it might take me a long time. I might take I might never get what I want, but this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. Holy shit. And then you just started making the rounds in Portland. Mm hmm. And you guys, who are you guys hanging out with? Was Ian? Uh, Ian didn't come for a couple of years later. He, this is probably when he was here slinging Panda Express and whatnot. Uh -huh. uh, but it was me, um, Augie Smith, uh, my friend Richard Bain, and uh, just Dax Jordan, just a lot of Portlandy. Um, Dwight Slade, I don't know if you know him. Sure. Uh, but yeah, those are like the people who I, I looked up to. I really, podcast was my thing when um, I, that's how I would because I was like, oh, this is what I want to be. I'm not really competing with some of these people in Portland who kind of are just doing it for attention or for f hobby. What, comedy? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm like, like the people that I like was always like, like I was always into like Hannibal or Pete yeah. Holmes or, yeah. or things like that. And then you I, knew those guys already? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was aware of them for sure. Mulaney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, how'd you know them? I just was a fan of comedy. Wow. All right. So, but they had already, but they're like, they're your generation, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't, you know, I've only met a lot of them a couple, you know, a few years ago. Where'd you first see those guys? I think the first time I saw Hannibal and, and Pete was uh, at Bumbershoot, the first year I did Bumbershoot. Okay. And so I was doing like the local stages there and doing some of the after party shows. And um, I got to, I think I got to like close out the set there. So it was like, Pete, Hannibal, uh, Hari, Kanabolu, and then me. And, like, nobody knew who I was. And so, like, I had a good set. I think I was there that year. I think you were, too. Yeah. So that was the first time you're like, oh, these are this is my peer group. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they come from Chicago, New York. I'm Portland. Mm-hmm. Because there's no... Well, you're about the same age, aren't you? Yeah. How old are you now? I'm 31. 
Oh, they might be a little older, no? Mm-hmm. A few years older. So that must have been bit that must so that was the big sort of like that was the moment where you realize I could fit into this world. Yeah. Is yeah, I go to bumper shoot. Yeah. They found me. <laughs> so when you started hammering around Portland, I mean, when did you finally, you know, start making money? <laughs> uh six months ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this year. <laughs> um, I just went around Portland doing open mics and then I started like I needed to make some amount of money. So I would just take any type of road gig, the Tacoma or Milton or any, you know, place up and down the the coastline. What featuring? Yep. For who? <laughs> Where'd you where where were some nights where you like you went out as a young comic and you're like, holy fuck, that guy can fucking do it. <laughs> well, there was mostly a lot of like, oh holy fuck, is this what people want? <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in trouble. Yeah, I'm in trouble if this is what I have to do to survive. <laughs> there was a lot of that, mostly with the headliners I was working with. Um but then it was uh people like Dwight Slade taking me out first when I was like oh this guy is funny and he knows how to be a nice person while he's on the road and he's a, just uh, teaching me how to be a good person when I'm on the road and then it was like uh, Moshe Kasher took me out and uh, Nick Thune and, uh, and and I think that was the first time I was like really working with people that I also enjoyed their comedy. Right. Two people doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah Dwight is a great guy and he's l lived with the the I, I the the burden of being Bill Hicks's childhood friend, yep. and in his comedy partner when they were what fourteen or fifteen mm -hmm. for his entire life. Dwight Slade, it's like, oh yeah, Bill Hicks's childhood friend. Yep, that's a rough one. It's a rough one, but he's I mean he's happy. He makes money. I saw he always reminds me of what this job is and what it can be. Like I saw a picture of him uh, performing on top of just some like tables for a company retreat and just looking like he was killing it and i was just like i never like i mean i never forget like like that's part of this job too the job of comedy yeah, yeah, yeah just to make people laugh yeah no matter what the situation is yeah if you're being paid to do so if you're being paid to do so it's, it's your job to go out there and, and do your job correctly do you feel that yes absolutely have you been in those situations yeah i mean i'm in just in life you know i'm not always wanting to go be funny none of us you know but it's, just, but it's sort of interesting to bend what you want to do to bend your comedy into that situation because yeah. like if you if you're unique and you do your own thing there's sort of that moment where you're like this is not the situation for me yeah oh yeah there's a lot of that for me yeah. oh yeah man <laughs> fucking one-nighters on the road where you know where they're just going out for comedy there's no name value to yeah. it but the challenge of you know that moment where you're like, I gotta, I gotta do the job. Yeah, yeah, do your job, and and it's like a lot of your attitude of, um, I have to make this fun for me, no yeah. matter what. Yeah. I have to have fun, and if you're drawn into it, excellent. I mean, that's that's a lot of my headlining stuff now is people going like, huh? and then <laughs> yeah. and then being like. Okay. <laughs> or them being like, huh? and then like, nah. Does that happen? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. For sure, but you're so uh, you're such a a, a sweet uh, Buddha-like presence up there. Yeah, but like I mean, if you don't, I'm sweet, but my thing is very rhythmic. And there's a there's a clear you gotta place lock to in. it. You gotta lock in. If you're on the outside of it, trying to jump in, it's yeah. hard. I can <laughs> I can understand that. If you're just like, what is this fucking weirdo talking about? Yeah, I don't know where to enter this situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I get a lot of that. So, I mean, so in, the, in that point, I just like, I still always want to do what I do, but if I can make it accessible, I don't I mean, I don't have a problem being like, oh, I have to explain 
explain it to well, you. Well, you're pretty a accessible. Bit. I yeah. mean, it's not like you're not coded. It's just a matter of whether people are going to dig your groove. Yeah. I saw you at the comedy store once. And I was like, how's he going to do here? Fucking right away, you nailed it. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I love going there. It reminds me of Suki's in Portland. It was just like that's a lot of what Suki's was. Was uh, uh, we're not gonna listen. <laughs> you know, we're not gonna listen. We don't care. We're drunk. It's fucking twelve thirty or one a.m. And so I just have to go out there and, and do what I want to do. And right. that's the same thing I feel at the comedy store. And that's what I like about going there. That that weird moment of entry where you're like, well, this. We're going to know in about three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the degree of fun I'm going to have is going to reveal itself in about three minutes. Yeah, absolutely. If not sooner. Yeah. Well, there was the first joke. That didn't go anywhere. Let's okay. Yeah, if we don't get on with this next one, it's a dog fight. <laughs> so you move, how long ago did you move down here? I moved down here uh, July, 4th of July of two, two years. So like upcoming this July 4th, it'll be two years. And how long did how the how the marriage come undone? Um, I mean, it was just always unraveling. It was never a good thing. We got married too young. We were too poor. We have a kid with autism. We never really. We always were just fighting other people, and then was like, "Oh, why are we together?" Yeah, you know. And you know, there was a lack of a trust, especially with me being on the road. Yeah, uh, and so and you being such like you know, ladies' man. You know me. <laughs> 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 just getting it <laughs> and so it just was I mean I just remember she was told me she was like I don't like comedy anymore <laughs> oh really and I knew that day I was like it's over I've been there I, I know that one where it's like you know I you know you someone told me that I ruined comedy for them <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty much where I'm yeah, at that is not what the clown's job is it's <laughs> <laughs> not that's not part of our uh, resume. I ruined comedy for a couple of women. <laughs> yeah, they're not into a whole genre. <laughs> they're just all about dramas right yeah. now. No more laughing. <laughs> How often do you see uh, Malcolm? I see him. I see him pretty much monthly. Um, he's going to be here for the summer. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that with cool. you and Ian. Yeah. Ian knows him. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they get along. They're buds. I could see him getting along with a relatively nonverbal, excitable person. Yeah, yeah. And he's real, for the most part. He's just super chill. He just wants to play video games and and eat pizza. So, uh -huh. like, he's, like, the coolest. But do you ever tour with Ian? Because both of you guys, I don't think you middle for me, but you were on my show once or twice at Helium mm -hmm. in Portland. That must have changed everything up there when yeah. they got the comedy club. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Finally. Yeah. That was the first time I really noticed you, I think. Yeah, it was the first time where we had, like, real, like, goals and competition and people trying to get things and then people getting upset at people sure for getting those things. why'd that guy get to feature yeah, yeah i've been doing it longer yeah fuck that guy a lot of that yeah yeah do you have you headlined up there yet no uh yeah no? are you headlining though yeah i'm headlining i'm doing you think stuff he's gonna, you think he's gonna let you do it no they it's I weird mean, with the hometown thing yeah right? it's kind of is it's just kind of like i don't know if they look if they'll ever look at me like that That's you know fucking bullshit so how because you were up there when they opened right mm -hmm. so you were up there for the first couple of years of that place mm -hmm. and it's but it's the same with every hometown thing it's like you know they don't why not put their own guys up there? Mm. Has Dwight done it? Um, yeah, Dwight did it, but you know, I think they gave him like one of those off days. They didn't give him a weekend. Oh man! So we'll have to talk to Grossman about it. Yeah, let him know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think yeah. I mean, I'll take credit as I mean, I was the first person to take Ian out on the road. So. Were you? Mm-hmm. As your uh, feature? As feature? Yeah. 
Yeah, and then you're like, well, that's, he's got very big personality, this fella. I'm glad I took him on the road that one time. <laughs> no, I'm never afraid of competition. I like it. I mean, Do you? Yeah, yeah. I like it. I mean, that's my favorite thing is when I work with headliners who aren't afraid to travel with, with people who are strong, you know? When, you, when uh, like, you talking about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. You, you, have you put it up the uh, headliner's ass a couple of times? A couple times, for sure. They'll, they'll gladly admit it. Yeah. I won't mention any names here, but they know who they are. I know that day. <laughs> I know that, that one night out of that week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's not fair. I mean, it's the best position to be yeah, in. Yeah, if you're working with a strong feature, you're like, well, that one, you got that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love that competition myself. Yeah, I mean, because it's not fair. Like, if I'm doing, like, 20, 25, and you got to do a full hour. I do like to work with strong acts, though. You know, like, I definitely, like, I would, I'll take the hit if there is a hit to be taken mm -hmm. if I like watching the guy work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because it's better to be out on the road with somebody who's, you know, Who's you, fun and, and you, you like. like and you yeah. can hang out with. And, you know, it's, and most of the time, people there to see me, they know what they're getting. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> No one's going to hand me my ass too bad. I'm not going to be out there with any big yeah. musical closers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what what do you do during the day now? Uh, depends on how I'm feeling. Uh, if it's a good day, hopefully I get up early, do some writing, go to the gym, do some shows, write some stuff. Bad day? Bad day. I watch a lot of 90s wrestling, take a lot of bong hits and naps don't work out and then wonder if I'll ever find love again. <laughs> How was today? Uh, today was the middle day where it started off bad and then I forced myself to go to the gym. Well, thank God. And then you came here. <laughs> yep. A turned around man. <laughs> All right, buddy. It's good talking to you. Good talking to you, Mark. All right, that's it. That's our show, PDX. Portland, represent. That's right. They were what great guys. It, you know, I, I, I love both of them. I really do. I don't know if they know that. I don't know if they know that I love them, that Ian Carmel and the uh, Ron Funches fella. That's it. That's our show. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Get the app. Get some merch. Christmas is coming up. I restocked the MTV shirts. Let me know if you want some other stuff in there. JustCoffee.coop is available at WTFPod.com. You get the WTF blend. Yeah, I get a little bit on the back end. I'm just going to pretend it's like fall weather here in L.A. Just going to pretend it. Boomer lives!